You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter, because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. Imagine being married to a man who walks in your life during one of your most vulnerable seasons, divorced, broken, and ready to help piece you back together. On top of that, ready to jump all in and help care for your children. A man described as empathetic, understanding, kind, generous, and helps you understand your own self-worth. A man that an entire community mourned over. Diana Register was married to that man. Chad was that man, and sadly, she lost him. This is their story. I met Chad when I was 15 years old. So I met him in high school, and we dated, and then we broke up, and then we reconnected 13 years later after I had been married, had a couple kids. He had been involved with somebody, had a son. So in high school, he was kind of this bad boy from the town next over. It was very much like a teenage love story. And I just fell hard for him. So some 13 years later, when we reconnected, he was a completely different person. And at that point, I had had a really bad divorce. And so when I met him, I had my two kids and he basically called me and said that he had turned 30 and his sister had told him not to get married until he was 30. So he had turned 30 and he couldn't think of anybody else he wanted to marry. So he called me and we reconnected in October and we were married the following June. I don't know very many 30-year-old men that come in and say, hey, I want to come in and take care of you. And I know you're broken and let me piece you back together. And by the way, I'll take care of your kids. So he was extremely kind and extremely generous. And he was just an all-around good human being. And that carried over into... When he became a police officer, he was just a very, very good police officer. He was very empathetic and understanding. So it was a huge loss. His death was a huge loss, not just for me, but for my kids and his family, but for the entire community, a law enforcement community, the community that he worked in, his friends. And I know that every loss is huge for everybody, but it just seemed to be very compounded in where I lived. Here's what Diana wrote to love what matters. There is still goodness in the world, goodness in people that comes when you least expect it. My young, vibrant, strong husband died of pancreatic cancer almost two years ago. What you may not know is how sudden the onset of death was. I know that pancreatic cancer and a quick death often go hand in hand, but in Chad's case, that wasn't really how it went. He was diagnosed had surgery, returned to work, and then went through months of chemo. For a while after treatment, they couldn't find a trace of the cancer. No tumors. No problem with his blood work. There was a period of time where I actually thought we dodged the inevitable. I was full of hope. How could she not have hope for the man she calls her person, her everything, the keeper of her stories, her confidant, and the man she makes memories with? When uncertainty hits... All we have to hold on to is hope. Is that what the doctors told you guys? That Did they expect him to recover, make a full recovery? They didn't know. 
you don't know. So with pancreatic cancer, there's a 90% chance that the cancer will return after you've had surgery. So if you take if you take 10 breast cancer patients and line them up in a room, then you can expect that nine of those people will be alive after five years. If you take 10 pancreatic cancer patients and line them up in a room, you can expect that only one of them will be alive after five years. So wow. it's, yeah. So the prognosis is never good, not even with surgery. The statistics haven't changed in over 40 years. They don't put a lot of money into this cancer because they believe it's an old man's disease and it's not. It affects a lot of younger people too. Chad was 43 or 44 when he was diagnosed, 45 when he died. And I hear more and more about that because like I said, I've written a couple of books on it. And so I, with my Facebook page and stuff like that, I get a lot of young widows that come in there who can identify and with this stuff, unfortunately. So the prognosis was never like, oh, we think he's going to make it for the next 20 years. It was always, we don't know. So we're going to take the tumor out then we'll see how it goes. So in October of that year, they couldn't find any cancer on his scans, nothing. Until the cancer returned. When they first noticed it again, it was in his liver. So it comes back a second time, correct, to his liver? It, so pancreatic cancer can return anywhere, basically. Okay. So it can go back to the pancreas because like they didn't take his pancreas out. They took out part of it or it can spread into other organs. But if it's spread into other organs like the liver, it's still considered a recurrence of pancreatic cancer, even though it's in another organ because it's still the same cells and all that stuff. So that tumor in his liver, they never really explained if it was something new or if it had always been there and they just couldn't see it on CAT scans or whatever if it was too small and it grew he would die six months later but in the meantime he continued to fight he continued to work he continued to stay as normal as possible my grief was complicated I was confused one minute he appeared to be fine and the next he wasn't in a matter of days I went from safely planning our future again to wondering if we had one I didn't understand what was going on and I don't think he did either his cancer was a monster it was a thief a vicious ugly imposing thief Having had cancer myself, I can testify to Diana's words. Cancer is an ugly monster that no one wishes on anyone. It causes such complex emotions that it takes time to work through them, which usually takes place post-cancer. My cancer experience was so traumatic for me that I couldn't talk about it for years following. But when I did start to talk about it, quickly realized in order to heal from it, I had to face the complex emotions from it. Now back to Diana's story. He never called in sick, ever. In fact, before his diagnosis, he had not called in sick for seven years and only left work long enough to have surgery out of state. He didn't call in sick for chemo. He didn't call in sick when his cancer came back. He didn't call in sick when the cancer moved throughout his body. So when he came home early from work one night because he couldn't handle the pain, I knew something was terribly wrong. I wanted so badly to be wrong, but I knew. He knew. Within weeks, his condition got worse and worse and worse. We were doing our best to keep up, but it was consuming him. It was literal chaos, bewildering. 
We were in and out of the ER trying to manage the pain. And somewhere along the way, he had a stroke. We had no idea. He had mentioned his vision was blurry, but he was the kind of person who compensated so quickly for something that I had no idea how bad it was. We had no idea. He mentioned his vision was blurry, but he was the kind of person who compensated so quickly for something that I had no idea how bad it was. I don't know if he did and just wasn't complaining, but I had no clue that he was suffering so bad. The tumors had finally taken over his body and the pain became so bad that he could barely stand anymore. The effects of the stroke were finally starting to show and I felt completely helpless. I didn't know what to do. It all happened so fast. One night, his pain took total control. He couldn't bear it anymore. He sat on the bed, a shell of his former self, overcome with agony. We would find out later that the tumors were in every organ, but also in his bones, and a tumor was blocking his intestines. They said it was comparable to being in active labor 24-7. When he died, we found out that tumor in his liver was now, there were tumors in his lungs, in his spleen, in his bones, in his hips, all down his arms. It is like pretty much every organ that you have. And he was working through it because again, he did not want to be sick. So he was going to do whatever it took to not be sick and just be normal. So even that night where officers will share cars and it was not his last work night, but generally on their last work night, they take their cars and they wash them and they put gas in them for the next guy. And even though it was not his last work night, he did that. So again, I, I believe that he knew he wasn't coming back, but he did the right thing anyway. And so it was hard for me in the middle of watching him continue to be normal to think that it was so bad, right? Who, who washes and gases their car when their body is full of tumors, right? It's like down his spine. He could barely sit, but he's doing that. So I'm thinking, what well, can't be that bad? Can't be that bad. Well, it's that bad. So we are at our rental house because now we've moved and he's in just an excruciating amount of pain. And so I'm calling the doctors. I'm calling like every 15 minutes and they're like, okay, we'll try this pain medication. We'll try this pain medication. We'll try this. He was in a lot of pain. Think about it for a minute. Fentanyl is a narcotic, and it's used to treat severe pain, yet had no effect on Chad. Despite the pain Chad felt, he mustered up enough strength and, frankly, courage to keep working through it all. Pain is a tricky thing. Not only does it take a toll on the body, but it can take a toll on the spirit and mind. It can destroy lives, families, marriages, and careers. Yet Chad continued to press forward in all areas. Chad was suffering so much that Diana suggested calling an ambulance. He told her not to, but she couldn't stand by and watch him suffer like he was and do nothing. She did what I believe any loving wife would do and made the tough decision to make the call to get help even though it was against Chad's wishes. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So one thing that I think happened for him was that he equated hospital with hospice. Right. And he knew how close he was to death and he didn't want to, he didn't want to do that. So this one night he was sitting on the bed and he was, I wish I could describe the kind of pain, but there's almost a respect issue. Like, I don't want to give too much tale about what he looked like or how he sounded or whatever, just out of respect for him. But you can imagine that if you're in the active process of dying, what that might look like or feel like. And so I remember telling him, I, we need to call an ambulance. And he said, you do not call an ambulance. I do not want to go to the hospital. And I said, I, I, I have to call an ambulance. And he said, give me 10 minutes. So every 10 minutes, I'd go back and check on him. And he'd say, give me 10 more minutes. We did that for like two hours. And eventually it got to a point where I realized that I had to call. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I had to call. And you go through this weird process in a, in a situation like that because he didn't want to go so bad. And I remember him telling me, if you call, I'll never forgive you. And I thought, if he, if I call and he never, he dies and he never forgives me, what does that look like? And then your head is telling you, you have to call the guys in, in so much pain. He is dying. And your heart's telling you not to call because you want to respect the wishes of the person that you love. And I know that he didn't mean that. I know that he didn't mean he would never forgive me. I know he was not a mean person. He wasn't saying it to be a jerk. He just didn't want to go to the hospital. So during, so I'm conflicted. I'm just so conflicted. I loved this man. I mean, I really, really loved him. He was my entire life. He was my person. He was my everything. He was the keeper of my stories, my confidant, and the person I made memories with. And he was going to die. And worse yet, he was going to die hating me. Because I called, and as the phone rang, I consciously thought to myself that if the dispatcher who answers the phone is a jerk, I'm going to lose it. I am a 911 police and fire dispatcher myself. I know we get busy. I know we have to separate ourselves from the calls. But I just knew that the person on the other line was going to dictate my entire night. It doesn't matter what it is. Nobody wants to call 911 for some reason. So I didn't call 911. I called the non-emergency number because I was... I just didn't quite know what to do. As educated and trained as I was as a dispatcher, I still was like, this is just horrible. So I end up calling the non-emergency number and this guy answers and he says, can I put you on hold for a moment? And I said, my husband's having a medical emergency and he goes, go ahead. 
So I said, give him the address. And he says, well, so what's going on? I have to give you this little bit of a story because it, it helps it make sense. But in a lot of 911 centers on medical calls, they're reading a script. So they'll say, what's your address? They're trying to find out what your chief complaint is. And then the script will then shunt them to different questions based on what it is they are telling them. So if you say, my son hit his hand in the door, they're going to go to a trauma response and then they're going to start asking those questions. I didn't know at the time that they were using a script because at the agency that I worked at, we weren't using that script. Later, we started using that script. So as the dispatcher, I know how robotic you can sound when you're using that script because you're literally just reading it and you almost zone out sometimes because you're just doing what the computer's telling you to do. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I was on the edge of a breakdown. I was already so tired of people not being able to help. I just needed somebody, anybody to help him. When the dispatcher answered, I answered the questions, name, address, phone number, and then he said, my name is Jeff. Tell me exactly what's happened. My husband has stage four pancreatic cancer. He recently had a stroke and is in a great amount of pain. Their tumors are everywhere, in his arms, his legs, his back, his shoulders, and down his spine. No question, no follow-up. Jeff's voice changed. He wasn't robotic. He knew there was nothing he could do. But his voice changed. I can still hear it. It was surrounded in compassion. His tone was dripping in comfort. He didn't have to say, I'm sorry, or that's awful. All he said was, all right. But there was something in the way he said it. That all right, to me, translated to, I feel your pain. I am so sorry your husband is suffering. I am sorry your family is going through this. I hate this for you. I wish I could fix this. I'm here for you all at the same time. That small change in his voice told me everything that he wanted to say and exuded compassion, something I so desperately needed at that point. Things that happen during a crisis are burned into your memory. I've told you before, I remember the look on the doctor's face when they told me he had a tumor. I remember the tears from the nurse who cared for him the night he died. I remember the pink straw, and I remember the sound of Jeff's voice. Jeff didn't do anything grandiose that night. He didn't save Chad's life. We didn't do CPR. We didn't do first aid. But while he talked to me and got Chad help, Jeff was comforting, reassuring. And by doing that, he dictated my mindset, which allowed me to be clear-headed, 
calm, and able to better communicate with the doctors when we got to the hospital. We don't think of dispatchers as heroes, but that night, Jeff was mine. He was the calm voice in the dark, who eased the chaos best he could, and who guided me through the biggest crisis I've ever experienced. It's never left me, and when I was in training one day at his apartment, I had to meet him. Lots of hugs, some kind words from a quiet man, and some closure to an awful story. He inspired me to retell this story in a training setting so that dispatchers up and down the state of Idaho can learn from his example. Because of Jeff, I created a class about compassion in the 911 center and play our telephone call. I've heard it easily a hundred times now, and every time I hear the change in his voice, that small, tiny inflection that for a brief moment made everything all right. Sometimes it's not the big things. Sometimes it's the simple compassion. Jeff and I are friends now, good friends, family. Maybe it was trauma bonding. I don't know. I thought I would try to avoid him because I was afraid it would bring up bad memories of a hard time. But in all actuality, seeing Jeff talking to him just reminds me that yes, there is still goodness in the world. Goodness in people that comes when you least expect it. I hope you never have to call for help, but if you do, I hope you're as lucky as I am and find yourself a Jeff. Maybe one day you will need a Jeff. Maybe one day you will be a Jeff. But what I do know is each and every one of us has the power to change someone's life for the better. I work closely with the producer of this podcast. He sits on the other end as I chat with my guests to make sure nothing goes wrong with their recordings. He gets to hear everything being said, but also in post-production, combs through these stories. He mentioned to me that Diana and I had a lot in common. Our stories are very similar. It didn't really hit me with how true that was until he made that comment. It is true. It's very true. Chad does sound a lot like my husband, Ryan. I too was a single mom of two kids when we met. Ryan stepped up and became dad right away. We have been fortunate enough to marry men who make us want to be better simply due to who they are and the love that they show us. We both have gone through cancer, although on different sides of it, and came out better because of it. We took our heartache and turned it into something good. Diana created a program to better help 911 dispatchers be more compassionate with the distressed callers on the other end. She also openly and publicly shares what I can only imagine to be the hardest thing she has ever gone through in hopes that it will help someone else. While I wrote a book to help others get through what I once went through, volunteered to speak to cancer patients to ease their fears, and publicly share my life, the highs and the lows, simply so others don't feel alone. We both have gone on to do different things with our heartache. We both used it to help others instead of allowing these hard experiences to use us. And you too can do the same with your hard seasons and heartache. So next time you find yourself there, remember this. You can use your situation to become better, or it can use you and leave you bitter. But it will always be a choice. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. 
Until next time, rock your kindness. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.